Hey, and uh, welcome back in to the Husker Half Hour. This is Elijah Herbal alongside my brother, Ben Herbal, <laughs> who loves to be here on <laughs> this half hour. We're definitely not depressed about the Colorado game still. I I can't think straight. Yeah, how was your how's your day Sunday, Ben? I think I threw up three times just because I started thinking about it. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the hangover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was at a wedding, but I didn't. I don't. I didn't drink that much. Didn't, didn't drink your stars away. Nope, I Proud didn't. It was at Glacial Tilt. This is details they don't need to know. I'm sad. Yeah, this is the cold intro. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, today we're going to be talking about the disappointing loss to Colorado. We're going to get into a little bit looking ahead, and then uh, we're going to discuss whether or not eight wins is feasible for this Husker team. So uh, stick with us. That's what I was going to say. Back to the studio. Give us the, just a sound effect. Just make a noise of the way you felt about the game. What's your overall feeling summed up in a sound? What? What? Original. Wow. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's how you, you feel. You gave me like two minutes to work on this. You're like, all right, Elijah, we're going to go into it. We're going to think of a sound yeah. effect. And I'm like, it's going to be awesome. People are going to love it. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Hilarious, dude. No, I think that gives an accurate representation of how you feel on the inside. I feel like, did, did you come with one prepared? What's yours? Good lead in. Okay. Well, I came up with a little ditty for us of a sound effect. You did come prepared. I came prepared. Here we go. Uh, This is my sound for how I feel about this game. Hey, Ben, why are you so sad? Well, friend, it's because we aren't bad. We're bad and it makes me sad. Hey, now, Ben... Don't go telling yourself that I think you're just feeling mad Mad cause the way we played on Saturday And I'm here to say It's gonna be okay Well don't go shedding a tear This can still be our year Frosty and the boys can still Make some noise if in the Big Ten West we show our best. Was that a guitar? That was beautiful. Where'd that come from? Well, um, I had pre-recorded the sound, the, the can, I can the music. That was beautiful. Well, it's a talent that people don't know about usually. Was there beatboxing in the background? It's ridiculous what you can do with Adobe Audition. Yeah, it is. It's it's it's, it's a beautiful program. Uh, yeah, that was all. That all came out of my. That all came out of my my voice box. That was incredible. That was all me. And let me tell you what. There was not a better sound to sum up how I felt a about that. A song car of lament. Oh, truly, truly. <laughs> yeah, just disappointing all around. I mean, what a start though from the Huskers. That touchdown pass to J.D. Spielman. Holy crap. 
I was the defense was playing on fire against uh, Colorado the first drive, and then there's the dumb penalty on Lamar Jackson, but yep. doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because we go up in the first half. Well, when you have that many Cornhusker fans in the stadium, I can see how he was playing aggressively and also maybe didn't hear the. Whistle. Oh, that was a home game. Yeah. Welcome to Boulder, Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah, that was absurd turnout from the Husker fans. A testament to what Husker fans can do. If you tell Husker fans that you're going to keep the red out, guess what? You're going to get the red, baby. You're going to get extra red, baby. Red, red and dead. That's what I always say. Red and dead? Red and we're going to kill someone. We didn't kill anyone, I hope. But I felt like it after the game. I heard that the Colorado fans were garbage. What, about what were we expecting? Um, speaking of killing people after the game, I, I did. What? Elijah? Okay. We need to eat the body. <laughs> the and, perfect crime. And and, and run. You got to get out of here. I'll cover it up. Well, do we I'll eat, kill you. No. Well, we feed I'll the frame we, your dead. I mean, what kind of sloppy joes, lasagna, what are we talking about? Oh, we're feeding this to people. Yeah. Who for did sure. you kill? Ralphie the buffalo. That's a, hu- that's you a human. You stole Ralphie <laughs> and you murdered him. How hard would it be to steal Ralphie? Dude, we got to do it cuz I'm pissed. Imagine stealing Ralphie. I think Ralphie could steal you more likely. <laughs> Just ride off. Yeah. Uh, you get on a Ralphie and Ralphie just rides off into the mountains. And you're, I would you're feel bad, but I would feel good. It'd be like one of those things where I'm continually sinking my knife into him, but I'm crying while I'm doing kinda it. Kind of like the matadors and like the... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the spears all into All the spears. It. Eventually he'll fall. Mm-hmm. I, that would feel better saying as an analogy after doing that to their team. Yeah, which we did we in the first half. That. We yeah. stuck all the spears Holy into him crap. and then they're just like, you know what? Cool. We're still going to come gore you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're tired now. You're playing at altitude. Ha ha. That's Enjoy people, the horns. People kept saying that during the, the press conferences today and they were not having any of it. People kept saying, well, that. no, the, I, this isn't a Huskers team that makes excuses. Yeah. They, they, they came into their press conferences after the game and said, this is on us. The offensive line didn't play with enough intensity in the third quarter. The defense started missing tackles. Um, Scott Frost admitted that he didn't trust Adrian Martinez in the overtime period. Cause Adrian had just thrown the pick, uh, no one was pointing fingers, really, yeah. which I think the altitude may have played a factor because, I mean, you're up in the mountains. That's a, a gnarly place to go try to work out, speaking let alone of, play a football game. Speaking of which, did you hear, speaking of not taking any excuses, you listened to Adrian Martinez's post game, right? I did, yeah. With his his, his oh, language. He was, he was pissed. I think even in the in the press conference today, he seemed pissed. But especially that whenever they, they continually were like asking him, was it this, was it this, was it this? And he's like, I think he, he snapped. Like, I don't care if the, the snap is freaking – he saved it the first time by saying freaking. Mm-hmm. However many feet above his head? 600. 600 <laughs> feet above my head. It's That's on me. And then he said – he dropped the, the – his, oh, he said the ass word. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's a real no, no. You got to make things happen. You know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for anything. Um, and that's on me. When the snap was freaking five – thousand feet over my head I don't care I, there's no excuses you know and I, I think that's an important thing for this team to know and and uh, a lesson to myself you know regardless of where the snap is who, who gives a shit you know I got to be able to make the play you know excuse my language yeah I think we need a new starting quarterback after that one yeah no. you know who's never cussed in a press conference up. dude I you know who's never uh, pre- cussed in a press conference Andrew Bunch Andrew Bunch let's start him no no <laughs> they uh no, I think the team's fired up, and they're like, I don't know. I feel like every single press conference I've listened to, they've all sounded like low-key pissed mm-hmm. under the surface. And I think people are mad. Um, 
we should preface this and we were recording this on a Monday and the Monday press conference happened today and we hear again, this is the best Monday practice we've had all year. And how many more times do we have to lose a game and hear that until things turn around? Yeah. I think that's like the, the root of, uh, I'm sad. Like in my, in my jingle in my song, I said, I'm sad. And then I overreact by saying we're bad, but really it's just cause I'm mad on the inside. And mm-hmm. I, I think I'm just mad. I'm tired of, I think we're all tired of like what you just said, like showing up on Monday and being like, Oh, perfect. Now I'm going to get my hopes up again. Or like, Oh, good to hear that we're doing well again. Cause uh, I'm like, tired of leaving a game and going, well, that was a good learning experience. Yeah. We lost, but it's a good learning experience. Yeah. Can we get some learning experiences that are wins please? Yeah. I mean, we had a learning experience against South Alabama, which you don't want a learning experience against South Alabama. Mm-hmm. You want to go have a warm-up game against South Alabama. Yeah. Then you want to come out against Colorado, learn a couple things. They'll test you late. Mm-hmm. You still pull out the win, you know, 28-10. That, that's what I want our learning experience to be. I don't want our learning experience to be, well, we blew another game in the fourth quarter, and for the sixth consecutive time that Nebraska's played in overtime, we haven't scored any points. Yeah. Did you know that? Six in a row? Six straight overtime periods, Nebraska has not scored a point. Hmm. How? Why do we have How? any confidence? You started the 25-yard line. How do you not get any points? points? You're already in field goal range. Yeah. Six straight times we have not had any points. And that comes down to, I mean, if you come in down seven and he comes to, uh, like you're the second team to get the ball, mm-hmm. you're down seven, you have to go far and forth. I get that. But we've missed field goals. It's six in a row. That's just wrong. Yeah. It makes me feel like if anybody watched the Michigan game this weekend, how uh, Michigan near, like narrowly escaped playing army in overtime and that's just because of the quality of their players right exactly what i was just gonna say is like what you just said was i'm tired of having learning experiences be losses Mm -hmm. and i think michigan for them they had a learning experience i have to imagine because they played like garbage they really threw that game away for themselves and then they somehow ended up with a win in the end because in overtime they like came in clutch and i think clearly six because you just said sometime talent Talent beats scheme. Right. Sometimes. When you get down to an overtime period, everyone's tired. The talent on Michigan beat the scheme of Army. Right. Because you get to the clutch moment, and the playmakers make plays, and they come up, and they make it happen. And in this game on Saturday, Nebraska, I think it's pretty clear to see throughout the game, we were the the better team. We had more talent on the roster, but in the second half and overtime, their scheme beat our talent. Mm. And I'm sick and tired of that. Scott said that in the interview today as well, too, of like one day... He said we're not there yet. Even in the interview today, he said we're not there yet in terms of having talent on our team where we're going to just walk in and win games like this. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice in the days around here when we got so much talent we can run out and play like we're supposed to, and and um, I don't, hopefully people won't have a chance. Right now, uh, no matter who you're playing, you, you have to play well, and um, if our margins are small, we need to execute well. And he said essentially any of these games, which is what we knew in the Big Ten West, the whole season, I just didn't think we were going to get there until we got to the Big Ten West, was that we could lose any of these games because we're not at the point where our talent is so much better than everyone else's that we have games that are, that are giveaways. Mm-hmm. And Scott said that in the, inter- in the interview today. So like we're saying, Michigan versus Army, Army, their whole offense is built off of not having playmakers. Yeah, and, it's built on being a team. Right, versus Michigan's got the talent. And I think Nebraska clearly isn't there yet. We're not in a place of, of like the talent overriding any game we're playing there aren't many teams in the country that can do that mm-hmm. michigan barely got away with it against army yeah. who's they're now one of the uh, the better military schools right. army they, they've they haven't overtaken navy yet but they, they've gotten a lot better but then other teams alabama clemson oklahoma ohio state are the teams that can go waltz into a game and they can have the worst game of their life and still win where if nebraska walks into a, a non-conference game plays the worst game of their life it's it's danger time mm-hmm. where th- that's where nebraska wants to be 
if we want to be at the level of Alabama and Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, where we can just walk into a game and go, well, we didn't even need a game plan for this one, and we can still come in and win. And we're not at that point yet. Do you think we'll ever actually get there, though, to the point of, like, we're not really game planning? Um, Or, like, to the point of... Maybe you're saying to the point of like we're gonna walk in and run our base defense and our base offense and we're gonna win. Look at Oregon under Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. They'd go into their non-conference schedule and then the the terrible Pac-12 teams and the talent on their team with the scheme they were in. They didn't have to do that much flashy stuff, which that's what Oregon is known for. Oregon is known for flashy stuff. They could run a screenplay to DeAnthony Thomas and they could go 70 yards for a touchdown, which we did have with Mo Washington. But you you get what I'm saying is that we're not at that point mm-hmm. where we can just go let our playmakers be playmakers and win. That that's not what we can do yet. I mean, you saw that in game one where we thought, I think we kind of thought throw Adrian Martinez out there, run base, run base, run base defense, go let our playmakers be playmakers. And on defense, it kind of worked because South Alabama's offense is just that bad. But against Colorado, it didn't work. Uh, especially in the second half, whenever they came out with halftime adjustments and we didn't come out with any adjustments. Mm-hmm. And then it, no, which is what I was about to backtrack. What you were saying, Elijah was that, um, talent versus scheme, Colorado beat us in scheme. Mm-hmm. Specifically, obviously, in the second half was where they beat us. The first half, they weren't beating us. Because well, the first half, I think we had them out-schemed and out-talented. Right. When you go look at what that offense was, they had less than 100 yards of offense against us in the first half, and then in the second half, they had over 350 yards of offense on us. That's a combination of being outplayed and being out-schemed. They, they learned from their mistakes on offense in the first half where, okay, maybe we can't throw the ball downfield every single time. Hmm. Uh, we obviously can't run up the middle, so we're going to try to spread them out. We're going to get them with short dink and dunk passes, and then we'll hit them with occasional trick play for to take the top off them. And it worked beautifully. They dink and dunked us down the field, and then when we weren't expecting it, they'd throw a deep ball. And it worked It worked beautifully. When you look at the other side of the ball, you, I think you looked a little more into what changed for the Colorado defense than I did. So you, you want to talk about what their scheme was in the second half? Uh, the biggest issue is that they – started bringing pressure differently. Yeah. Um, they changed the way their secondary and their, their linebackers. Uh, they were in the first half, they were playing much more conservatively to stop Adrian Martinez. Uh, they were covering the, the flats. They had QB spies. Um, and so essentially they were gambling. They were kind of gambling on the fact that uh, they were going to say, Adrian's not going to beat us with his legs. Make but him, he make can him. beat him with his, with his arm. Yeah. And he finished the first and half. He did. Eight of eight for 150 yards passing and a touchdown, I believe, in the uh, first half. Which then spurred them to say, okay, well, that we can't didn't do work that anymore. Yeah. Let's change it up. And then Scott Frost came out with no sort of second half adjustments. Right. And then whenever the team comes out lifeless in the second half, up 21 nothing, you think, okay, we're okay. Let's just do what we're doing, mm-hmm. hold on to a lead, and go home with a win. And it didn't work. Our, our defense looked like they were tired in the second half. They looked like they had been put on the field for too many second plays. Second half? How about like halfway through the third? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. The offense kind of and well, and in Colorado kept they kept gaining yards. They kept making progress. They started crawling back in. But most of the third or the first half, we we were more bin but don't break. First half, we were like impossible to break through. On fire, we were on fire. We get into the second half and we're bending and not breaking. And then by the end of the third into the fourth quarter, we had fully broken as a defense. Right. And any fan who's watching it knew. We need to go score points Holy as an offense crap. because our defense can't stop them. Yeah, and it it wasn't on the individual play of Montez, even though it was great. It wasn't on any individual play on the offense. They out schemed us, I think, in that second half as a defense against a defense who is tired, a defense who kind of thinks they have a good enough lead where they can sit back, miss a couple tackles, you're okay. And the issue is that our offense 
we couldn't trust the offense to totally outscore them in the second. The the offense we, the offensive line play regressed back to South Alabama in that second half. In the in, what, in what ways? In the uh, in the first half, they were getting push up front. We had holes to run through. We could run up the middle. We could run outside, and it set up the pass play. In the second half, uh, we were kind of more one dimensional as an offense in that we couldn't throw any deep balls because they were bringing the delayed pressure. And if we were in a long play action or if we have any sort of play where our receivers have to get downfield, they could wait and they could disguise their blitz and look, make it look like a quarterback spying Martinez and then bring him late. And our offense line wasn't picking it up, which is again, I think something they pulled straight from the South Alabama game. South Alabama did some of those same things. And whenever we can't throw a deep ball, then you're stuck on short passes. And it wasn't happening. Our guys weren't getting open underneath. Even whenever they were, uh, Colorado was closing down well, kind of doing what we did in the uh, in the first half. Mm-hmm. Closing down well in the short stuff, rallying to the ball, um, really shutting down the run game, and getting pressure on the deep passes. Here's what I will say about the second. I think week one to week two, Adrian did a better job putting the team on his back in the fourth quarter. I mm-hmm. feel like Adrian had some runs. I think he, he made good decisions on leaving the pocket. Um, I think he did a, He powered through to get mm-hmm. that, to get that touchdown. I think in the fourth quarter, Adrian did a better job than week one yeah, to make a- things happen. After week one, Adrian, I think not necessarily silenced the critics, but he, he, he made a point that South Alabama was one game. I had an off game. He came out and he played much better against Colorado him. And I don't know, maybe just him where the, the bright spot, the second half. Mo Washington was all right in the second half. He had the one long touchdown, but other than that, our, our receivers were pretty much non-existent in the second half. Offensive line play was subpar, to say the least, in the second half. The defensive line looked tired in the second half. Um, they were tempoing us in the second half. Our whole defense was getting tired. That was disappointing to see. Um, mm. With the exception of Cam Taylor, our secondary looked like weak. Uh, I guess DiCaprio Buda really shut down uh, – Chanel, I'll give him that. Lamar Jackson had a couple of good breakups there. Um, and th- those guys were coming in. It was supposed to be Jackson, Boodle, and Mo Berry, who were the top three guys in the defense. Mo Berry didn't impress me against Colorado. Mm-hmm. He had a, a pretty good first half. Second half, I, mean, I, I can't speak for what's actually happening on the field in terms of leadership and, and making the right reads, mm-hmm. but he, he didn't impress me with how yeah. over the field you want your, your starting middle linebacker. Oh, and he, he said, did you listen to his interview today? I did not. He, he was saying that he... He appreciates the other inside linebackers who stepped up when he mm. when he didn't. Yeah. Um. He put a lot of blame on himself, just like everybody else did. He put blame on on him and um Darian, and that it's the captain's job to lead the defense, and they didn't do that. Um. He said it, it was an off day for him, and he said that's not an excuse, but it was an off day. He's yeah. like, I'm not going to make that as an excuse. I don't know if he was feeling sick. I think he kind of hinted at that, but I was kind of confused on what he was saying. I've but. heard some rumors of sickness going through the team. I heard Martinez was coming down with something uh, during the South Alabama game, mm. and then he struggled throughout the week. I'm not sure if you noticed this, but he had one of those nasal openers yeah. in oh, the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I heard it as a rumor, and I was like, I don't know. And then first drive, I see Martinez come out with one of those uh, like nasal opener things. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure what they're called. Uh, like a, nose strips? A nose strip. Yeah, know, where it, op- it opens up your nostril, lets you mm-hmm. breathe a little better. And I thought, maybe there is some substance to this. Didn't matter. He played great. Um, but yeah, Mo Berry in the press conference said that he wasn't feeling like himself. He wasn't over the field like he wanted to be. Yeah. He said those words, which is funny that you just said that. Um, he said, good job on the other inside linebackers who's playing like they were supposed to. Will Honus stepped up. It was the first game. Well, I mean, he's been hurt all last year. But he stepped up, and it was the first game where I actually was like, this is what I expected of Will Honus whenever he came here. Sure. 
There's a lot did of you, Did you hear what Mo Berry said to finish his press conference, though? Uh, it may not have been in the press conference. It may have just been to reporters afterwards. Uh-huh. Um, but he said, no one's going to care about this Colorado loss whenever we're playing in the Big Ten Championship yep, game. exactly. Dude, That I wanted to talk about that, actually. Yeah. It, I think, wow. I, it's a great quote, and I think you can't take it too literally. I think he's saying it more as an example. It's like, if we this turn, is the potential we have. Yeah, no player wants to say if, just because it throws in like, oh, he's not confident about his team. But he's saying, in the event that we're in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game, if we turn it around, no one's going to look back in this Colorado game and be like, oh, man, this Nebraska team sucks. Like, which, which is to say that it's destiny is still in our hands. It's one game, and we outplayed them for more than half of that game. Outplayed them even statistically. Yes. We had, we had yards per play. We were like 6.5. They were 5.5. Seven, something like that. We were we were statistically higher than them yards per play. Um, I believe the only thing they got us in was first downs at the end. Oh, really? Because we had more big plays, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, so, Elijah, let's take this conversation and transition it to what we wanted to finish with, which was, by the end of the season, what's the over-under on having over eight wins and under eight wins? Well, let's let's come up with a couple th- reasons that will be under eight wins and a couple reasons that we will argue that you can be over eight wins. I'm going to take it back to something Bill Moose said in the summer for going under eight wins, and that's that Bill Moose said before the season started he'd be happy with six wins. <laughs> the expectation from the top. When, when the expectation from your AD is, well, six wins would be nice. I'm not sure if that's him trying to temper the expectations of Husker Nation yeah. just so his ass isn't on the hot seat whenever he doesn't – Fire, Fire Scott, Scott Frost. Frost. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be an expectation for no matter what happens, even six wins with Scott Frost, he's not on the hot seat. But then I see the other side of things, which is maybe he saw where this team was going. And he kind of saw the defense dominating the offense and in fall camp and you thought think he had the expertise to see that in camp and say, as an AD, he's been around average football teams his entire life. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe he does see an average football team, but. I think whenever there's so many fans coming and saying 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 9 and 3, whatever, I think it, it now in hindsight, it says a lot that Bill Moose came out and said, well, 6 and 3 would be would be a successful season. That so is one reason. It's just arguing for the under of 8. Under of 8 is that Bill Moose doesn't have confidence in 8. He said he'd be happy with 6. <laughs> what is um, one reason from you? For me, I think uh, a stat we threw out earlier, which was that 6 losses, 6 consecutive losses – in overtime, or you said six, six consecutive times in overtime, we have been shut out in the overtime period. Shut out, and I think that ties into the point I'm going to make, which is that I don't feel confident going in because of the close games last year that we weren't able to finish, and clearly, well, now again this year, a close game that we couldn't finish, or a game that became a close game, and and we couldn't, uh, we couldn't make the plays happen in the end to win it. We had the opportunity to, we got the ball back with 45 seconds left or whatever it was, and then we had a chance in overtime, and we just put in, in those spots. We couldn't make plays happen. So I would say under eight wins because we'll have more close games, especially in the Big Ten West this year mm-hmm. looking forward at the games. We're going to have close games, and I think you could argue that Nebraska in, in those situations won't be able to pull out close wins. This is going to tie into my point of over eight wins, but I'm going to start with Scott Frost hasn't proven himself to be a game manager when he's leading the game. Mm-hmm. And, and you look back at games as a head coach where even, I mean, Northwestern, we blew Minnesota. We tried to blow. We blew Colorado. Um, we had the game pretty much all, or we pretty much had the lead all game against South Alabama. And it was close all game. Um, there's a ton of games. You look back where, where we had the lead and there's play calls where I look at and go, 
what are we doing there? Even Colorado last year at home where we're snapping the ball 25 seconds on the play clock still. Like, what the hell are we doing? Like, Scott Frost hasn't proven himself to be a, a coach who manages the game well in close leads coming down to the end of things. How dare you doubt him, Elijah? How dare you? I, I want to jump it into my next point, but I'm how gonna, dare you, as but, a Nebraska fan, doubt that Scott Frost is not at the pinnacle of his coaching experience, <laughs> and that he's not learning just like this team is learning. How yeah. dare you? Um, he, but he definitely has a lot to prove in terms of his late game management. Whenever we're winning, whenever we're losing, I am surprisingly more confident in him because he the whole playbook is at his disposal. Whenever yeah, we're he's losing, going for it, yeah. And I I believe in him. Whenever we're down three with two minutes to go, right. whenever we're up three with two minutes to go, and it's third and five, we have the ball. We're losing that game yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or heck, we're, as of right now, whenever we're even in South Alabama and this game, whenever we're up and we're like in the position of burning the clock and not giving away a lot of our playbook and playing like a simple offense instead of like pulling out everything. South Alabama, we saw that where our offense looked lethargic. This game, second half, we were kind of trying to burn the clock, but stay simple, but play the way we were playing we, and we not try, open up the playbook. We were trying to play safe. We weren't trying to have any incompletions on deep balls. We weren't trying to throw any picks. Yeah. We were trying to get through three plays, hopefully get a first down. If not, we'll punt it away and hope our defense can save us. Exactly. And I, that is not – Scott Frost needs to go sit down and I think have a good hard look at what he's doing with his play calling. Whether he needs to say, hey, Troy Walters, take a series here. Let me see what you can do because our offense has been lethargic this entire second half and we need a spark. Troy, can you call some plays here? Maybe that's what's needed. Maybe it's that he just needs to trust his offensive line and run it three straight downs. Maybe it's he needs to trust Martinez and throw it three straight downs. I don't know what it is, but whatever he's doing isn't working. Right. What's your second reason we're not going to get eight wins? Uh, oh, I need my own. How are we time-wise? Do we need to move on? Um, Somewhere in there. We're close. We we, I, we we could just move on. I could just say, we'll, we'll cut yeah. that. We're at the 28-minute mark. Yeah, say let's move on to... But that ties right into my point of why we could win eight games. And that's because Scott Frost is still a young coach. Exactly. He has, this is his fourth year of head coaching experience, and it's his first time in a Power 5 conference where you have a good team week in, week out, where it's probably going to be close more weeks than it's not. Yeah. He's got time to learn. He's not a god. He's still learning. He's at the beginning of his like coaching career. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's going to be growing just like this team is. And I think that's why he's putting a lot of blame on the coaching staff. I think the coaching staff is learning a lot. This isn't UCF where he turned a program around and they went undefeated. Mm-hmm. It's Nebraska playing in the Big Ten, competitive, yeah. playing a non-conference game that's competitive. He, he had, what, two years of play calling experience? Or was it three? He had Because he was play calling one year's quarterbacks coach, I want to say. Oh, was he calling plays as quarterback? I, I think he had three years at Oregon where they were better than pretty much every team they played. He had two years at UCF, first year, which was zero expectations. And then second year where they were better than most teams that were playing just because he had that ability and that charisma to bring in the talent. And in a, in a group of five conference, that's going to work. He gets to Nebraska. He's got some learning to do in terms of playing a good team week in, week out. Um, playing Big Ten talent. And just playing how a Big Ten team is going to play, which yeah. is they're going to grind down your defense all game. And if you leave which that defense, I guess Colorado's in a Big Ten team. But, but. Yeah. My point still stands is that that, def- that offense is going to come out. Jonathan Taylor is going to c- carry the ball 25 times. They're going to grind you down. Your defense is going to get tired. And you need a point where you need to play possession offense. He has never in his career of coaching had to have an offense where he needs to keep possession. It's been, if we take 30 seconds off the clock and run three plays and punt it back to them, that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're, we'll be all right because next drive we'll go, you know, have a 70-yard three-play drive and it'll be okay. And he can't do that right now with the talent he has and with the opposition he's facing. So give him some time to learn how to how to manage a game from the lead. 
Sure. So that gives you hope over eight wins. That gives me hope over eight wins is that Scott Frost is still learning. And I think the team can learn from this and Scott Frost can mm-hmm. learn from this. I think for me, genuinely, the the attitude of, of the players seems to be that of like, we're going to make this happen. We're going to put Colorado behind us and we're going to use this to, to inspire us. Um, I think looking forward, even at Ohio state now, like obviously we're going to have to play well this weekend there. All their minds seem to be on, on this next Saturday, but like that looming of Ohio state, I think is a good motivator as well as like a real a big challenge right away. I think if, if we can get a win from Ohio state, I think that could really propel us through the rest of the year. There's going to be tough games. Um, there's going to be Wisconsin. You're going to finish with Iowa. But I think, I think if, I think it's conceivable that we could go into Iowa with big 10 championship on the line. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's still out there. Yeah. And I, I think it's one loss. People need to tone yeah, it down. Bring it down. Bit. Bring it down. Bring it down. Um, second reason I have that eight wins is still plausible is look at the talent we have. Yeah. We struggle at wide receiver, but we still have Adrian Martinez who he showed in uh, the first half against Colorado that he can still put the team on his back and, and make things happen. Um, another going along with this is that Mo Washington, some more transcripts of the text were released. And there's a reason that the prosecution out in California keeps on putting off this trial date. There's a reason that they keep the defense keeps on saying, let's put it off. And the, the prosecution keeps going. Okay. They don't have that strong a case against Mo Washington. I think it's either a good chance he beats the case or he gets off with a pretty easy plea deal. I, I don't because of things that she said, just because of how the, the text message conversation went, ah. um, initial reports out were that it was in a little more, it's obviously still inexcusable, <laughs> but it's, uh, the, the whole point they have to argue is that Maurice did it with the intent of causing psychological damage to her. Uh-huh. And at this point, when you look at the text message conversations, it's pretty wishy-washy that he was attacking her, a- attempting to cause psychological damage. Oof. Yeah. Which, good, but also still, like you said, inex- still inexcusable. Make, make some better choices, but in the how our team looks this year, Diedrich Mills is not a, a, a fill-in for Divina Zigbo in the least. Right. Maurice Washington is probably the best threat we have on offense. Diedrich Mills looks like not somebody you can keep in the entire game and no. run your offense off of. Diedrich Mills looks like a guy you bring in on third and short because Maurice Washington doesn't have the confidence in himself to try to lower his shoulder and get three yards. He's going to see somebody in the hole and he's going to try to cut it outside. Whereas Diedrich Mills wants to lower that shoulder and get those tough yards. And that's what he looks like. He's going to be in this offense right now, Perfect. Um, which is all right. As long as Maurice Washington's still here. So the, the news out of that makes me confident. And then the defense still looks good. Especially yeah, this the first, game, half. first half, even parts of the second half look great. Look Look, going into the rest of the, like, if that is, if this is still a growing experience for that for that squad, mm-hmm. then if if we're still going to improve as the year goes on, um, I I think over eight wins. If you believe that Nebraska will continue to improve, mm-hmm. I need to see the offensive line improve. Mm-hmm. I need to see the offensive line line improve in how they gel and how they read situations. I think they're not great at reading things yeah. right now. I don't think they read, even if the defense changes their scheme. I think they're not picking up on change as well. Yeah. So they need to grow in that. And I, th- I don't want to see the defense continue to grow and prove that they can keep bringing that intensity through an entire game and make those, those big stops or those turnovers when it counts. So, so if, if you believe Nebraska continues to grow through the year, then over eight wins. So is that, is that your final prediction? Do you think Nebraska's over eight wins? Oh, gosh, I don't like being put on the spot for this. Uh, yes. 
Yes. yes. I'm locking it. Oh gosh, that hurts. I'm locking it in. Yeah. I think we're going to turn into a bunch of badasses after this. I think we're going to be pissed. We're going to, we're not going to take any more shit the rest of the year. And I think, I think we're going to get over eight wins. Eight wins is reasonable, but that means we can only take two more losses. Yep. It's tough. It's doable. I don't think we do it. I'm going the other side. I think either we get eight wins exactly, or we get seven wins. Cause you look at this Northern Illinois squad that we're take coming, uh, bringing to Memorial stadium this weekend is no joke. Mm-hmm. They took Utah for about three quarters before the town of Utah and some s- scheme changes really pulled them away that the Northern Illinois defense flies around, which is not what we like to see in our offense. We like slow defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay th- tuned for our preview episode. Yeah. Stay tuned for preview episode. Um, but most of the other just teams we think, okay, it's Illinois. They're still two and zero right now. Maryland went and kicked the absolute living shit out of Syracuse this weekend. Right. Um, that's not going to be an easy game. We're going to Maryland. Yeah. Uh, you look Wisconsin. at you look at Wisconsin coming to town. The, the nice thing is most of our tough games are at home, and I think the Memorial Stadium crowd can will us to some wins. Um, or at least look, look at, at least help us snowball some some momentum. Look at Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State. People at the beginning of the year were thinking two and one would be nice in these games. Now it's looking more one and two would be nice in these games. So yeah, th- people are saying we're going to, if we drop one of these, that's okay. But now we're saying if we drop two of these, that's okay. Cause we can still have a shot at the big 10 title just based on who is go who they're going to be playing. But that's assuming we don't drop any trap games. Look at Indiana. You look at Maryland, you look at Illinois. Suddenly, it's scary. When, suddenly when you look at, when you look at the games coming up and you start to say, okay, which of these am I okay losing? That's when you start to have a problem. Of, yeah. We've, we've started to see our fallibility as a team mm-hmm. that we're not perfect yet. And that now you're looking ahead and saying, okay, well, if we drop one to Wisconsin, we have to beat Ohio State. If we drop one to Ohio State, then we've got one loss left the rest of the year. And suddenly it's, yeah, we're getting scary. Suddenly seven and five or eight and four doesn't sound too horrible. Yeah. Seven and five would be disappointment, but it's, we're still bowl eligible. We can still say there's improvement from last year. Eight and four, I think I'd be really happy with if we can lose to Wisconsin, Ohio State, beat Iowa hopefully and then lose one of the trap games to say a Northwestern or a Maryland or something like that. Okay. Eight, it, eight and four. I'm happy with Mo Berry at the end of press conference. Reiterating that said Indy's still a goal. Nine and three, I think can get us to Indy pretty easy. Iowa's got a tough schedule. Wisconsin's got a tough Especially schedule. Especially if it's, if it's Ohio state that we drop it to nine and three, we'd have to have some tiebreakers. We'd have to hopefully Wisconsin drops a couple games or Iowa drops a couple games. We'd have to have a tiebreaker over one of them, most likely. So but, let's cheer for some upsets in the West. Mm-hmm. Let's watch those games the rest of the season and cheer for the person with the worst record. To not all hope is lost, though, Husker fans. Hey, stay tuned. I'm sure we'll talk more about that in the next episode, and then in the, in the preview for this Saturday. Until then, I've been Elijah Herbal. I still am Elijah Herbal, <laughs> and I will continue to be Ben Herbal, but I haven't been Ben Herbal thus far. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.